Welcome to Self-Care Hacks, the short podcast for overwhelmed and stressed out women who want to learn how to take better care of themselves. I'm your host, Anita Ojeda. I used to suffer from overwhelm and stress too, but I've learned how to take care of myself and take care of others. You can too. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to this Self-Care Hacks podcast, you might not realize that I'm a person of faith, but I am, and I hope today's story will help you understand why. I'm back in the hospital. Pedro's voice came over the cell phone in the middle of a teen parents meeting at our daughter's gymnastics class. His voice sounded worse, whether from the paralysis caused by cancer or because his condition had worsened. I didn't know. I breathed in deeply and gripped the phone as I jumped into crisis mode and hurried to the lobby. For the past week, he'd been at his brother's house waiting for his next round of chemo in California. Doctor says we haven't killed it. Dizziness from the cancer. What are our choices? More chemo. Pedro's voice sounded so discouraged. Might not work. Or more radiation. This time his voice broke. What happens if you get more radiation? I struggled to sound strong, to not break down. Doctor says I'd have Alzheimer's memory. I can be there by three o'clock tomorrow, I assured him. We don't have to decide right now, do we? No, be here soon. Somehow, I made it through the rest of the parents' meeting. I made it through tucking our girls into bed and explaining that I had to go help Daddy in San Francisco the next day. Afterwards, I went to my school to hold auditions for the senior play. A week of prayer meeting had just ended, and the principal and our pastor stood in the lobby of the chapel. When I explained about the situation, I finally broke down. The enormity of the decision seemed too much to bear. How could Pedro teach if he had the memory of an Alzheimer's patient? How could he continue being a daddy to our girls if he might not even remember their names from day to day? We stepped into the copy room and the pastor and principal prayed for me and for Pedro and for the decision we had to make. I knew God had control of the situation. My faith had remained stout throughout the entire ordeal of cancer. So far. I kept busy until late into the night, creating sub-plans and deciding who would have what part in the play. My early morning flight took off, and I felt grateful that the seats next to me held no passengers. I had time to think. Someone had left a copy of Catherine Marshall's book, Adventures in Prayer, in the patient library at UCSF. During my last stay there, I'd picked it up and started to read. I pulled the book out of my backpack and opened it to the place where I had left off. The chapter title seemed to mock me. The Prayer of Relinquishment. Oh, I'd given up so much for this cancer. I'd given up my normal life and lived like a nomad, never in one spot for more than a week or two. I camped out in Pedro's hospital room, our office at home, and random hotels. Even his doctors and interns changed every two weeks. I often found myself on an airplane, like today, with nothing more than my computer and a few pairs of clean underwear and no idea as to where I'd spend the night. I'd learned to shift for myself in the big city and in the big hospital. I'd given up being shy about asking for help, and I'd given up taking a shower at the same time every day, or even taking a shower. Time with our girls seemed like a distant dream. I'd given up regular meals, regular exercise, and regular sleep. 
Could I relinquish anything else? I gave myself a mental shake and settled down to read the chapter. It would take my mind off the decision that waited like a dark abyss. Intellectually, I knew and acknowledged God's presence and control. But as I read, I realized that while I may have given him control of the situation, I'd never relinquished the desires of my heart. More than anything, I wanted the pre-cancer Pedro back. I wanted my partner, my best friend, and the father of our children. I didn't want to make all the decisions on my own. I wanted Pedro to help me and to grow old with me. Praying for healing came easily. God had answered prayers over and over again as Pedro reached each new precipice. But admitting to God that I hadn't relinquished the deepest desire of my heart? Not so easy. But the time had come. I bowed my head and started writing furiously in my prayer journal. In it, I confessed that I'd held on to my dreams rather than holding on to God. I gave God my dreams of normalcy, of a healthy husband and a happy family. Tears wet the page, but I kept on writing. When I finished pouring out my heart to God, I felt completely drained. Giving up everything to someone else didn't come easily to me. I closed my eyes and slumped back in the seat, hearing the roar of the plane's engines for the first time. I'd taken a leap of faith as surely as if I'd jumped out of the airplane without a parachute. Like an uncertain child, a thought popped into my mind. Will everything be okay? This time, I wasn't telling God what everything should be. I opened my eyes and looked out of the window. There, below me, two rivers met and joined, forming a giant Y. Coincidence? Probably. I turned a watery smile towards the flight attendant as she handed me a snack. She looked at me with concern. On a small airplane with lots of empty seats, a sniffling, sniffling passenger can't go unnoticed. I must look awful, I thought as I turned to the window again, hoping to catch my reflection and assess the damage. Instead, the view outside caught my eye. A long country road stretched across the flat terrain. At three even intervals, smaller roads joined the larger road, forming a perfect E. Coincidence? Maybe. The pilot announced our position and informed us we could see Mount Rainier on the left. I looked out the window again, but the mountain didn't catch my eye. A large river flowed through an incredibly green valley. The trees growing alongside the river framed the perfect S the river made before it disappeared into a darker forest of evergreens. Coincidence? Most certainly not. Sometimes, God has to spell things out. This time, I got the message. Yes, everything would be okay. And this time, I knew that everything would include God with me, no matter what. God's spelling lesson took place in 2002. Ever since then, when I start to fret about the future and worry about the present, he gently reminds me how to spell. The current crisis has hit us hard. Our renters can't pay their rent, which we depend on to pay the mortgage. We had to move Pedro's parents closer to us, and we went into debt to prepare a new home for them, thinking we could easily pay it off when their home sold. But buyers, even in good markets, feel uncertain about the future and lenders share their angst. I could easily spiral into a dark tunnel of worry about money, health, and the future. But I don't. Instead, 
I practice these three disciplines. Hack number one, relinquish your dreams. I've relinquished my debt-free dream to God. He knows the past, the present, and the future. By relinquishing my dream, I may have the opportunity to bless someone else. I challenge you to lay it all before God and then give it all up to Him. God wants you to relinquish everything to Him. In exchange, He promises that everything will turn out okay. And you no longer have to orchestrate the okay. And that takes a huge burden off your shoulders. Hack number two, draw close to God. James tells us in James 4.8 that if we come close to God, He will come close to us. Take care of yourself by making time with God a priority. Get up earlier if you have to, but schedule in your time with God and ask Him to show you how to draw nearer. Hack number three, resist the overwhelm. The liar wants us to believe that we can't do all we need to do. He loves to point out our inadequacies and whisper words of self-doubt into our hearts. Resist. Say it out loud. In Jesus' name, leave me alone. You don't have to turn into an instant perfect teacher as a parent. Come alongside your kids and ask them to teach you. You don't have to turn into an instant financial guru. Make a game out of making do with what you have. If your potato soup tastes different without milk, don't disparage your efforts. You don't have to have all the answers in this time of crisis. Remember that God will provide all your needs, mental, academic, physical, and spiritual. That's found in Philippians 4:19. Self-care means tending your spiritual needs. We can't truly take care of ourselves unless we learn to take care of all four domains, mental, academic, artistic, physical, and spiritual. In times of crisis, we can easily ditch all forms of self-care. We think we don't have time or energy to take care of ourselves. But if we don't practice or start practicing healthy self-care during times of crisis, we can easily find ourselves burnt out, overwhelmed, and free-falling into depression. Self-care might look different during this time. You may need to ask your kids to come alongside you and learn about self-care in order to have time to take care of yourself. But that sounds like a win-win situation to me. If only I'd known about the importance of self-care before motherhood and multiple crises, maybe things would have been easier for our daughters when they hit their teen years. So don't forget this week's hacks for taking care of yourself spiritually. Number one, relinquish your dreams. Hack number two, draw closer to God. Hack number three, resist the overwhelm. Come back next week when I talk about setting physical goals. Take care of yourselves, my friends. You are worth it. You can find me at AnitaOjeda.com or check out the show notes for links to my social media accounts. If you enjoyed this podcast, take the time to tell a friend. Together we can build each other up and teach each other how to take better care of ourselves. I'll see you here next Tuesday with more self-care hacks to help you overcome the overwhelm.